And good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Good to see you. Glad you made it. Just in time. Just in the nick of time. Well, this is a pledge drive show. Yay! <laughs> We're fundraising here on KZYX. It's the flash drive. We're in day five of the flash drive. Uh, six days is our is our total number of days for the flash drive. So we're going to finish up tomorrow. So let's have a good showing this afternoon, shall we? Absolutely. And we know that you listen to this show because you call. Yes. <laughs> I don't listen to this show. You know, I actually do listen to the show because I post it as a podcast and I I air check it. Yeah, um, well, good for you. It's a great show, Drew. You do well, such a good you. job. Well, it's a it's a team effort at this point, right? Well, it has been all along. How yeah. Much, how many shows have we done now? Seventy five. A lot. A lot. Well, because we started out every day. I oh I know. Yes. Somebody was asking me this morning. One of the volunteer phone answers was asking me um, how you got on the air. Do you remember? Do you remember how we started like how doing this? this came about? Yeah. Oh, well. We get real close to your mic because we're having some, some mic-y, uh, mic level issues. It, it came about, I came on to Dr. Trotter's show, I think it was in February, to talk about the pandemic um, as it was just starting to unfold in the country. And that's been back when we had that cruise ship that was floating around in San Francisco mm -hmm. Bay, as you may remember. Um and so I, I did Trotter's show, and then after that, I suggested, somewhat foolishly perhaps, <laughs> um, that somebody should be doing some sort of public uh, outreach to talk about COVID. Um, public health wasn't really making space for it. They were scrambling, trying to get things organized. Um, I, I ran the idea past uh, Duhan, who was our public health officer at the time, and she thought it was a great idea as well, but there was nobody stepping forward. And mm -hmm. you know, be careful what one suggests. That's how it always happens. Yes, yes. Somebody should do this. How I about thought, you? I, I thought it would last. I thought it would last. You know, maybe three months. Well, in the beginning, remember we thought that the the shelter in place was going to be temporary too. Yes. How well, long did? How long was the original shelter in place on March eighteenth? Well, it never went entirely away, right? Um, but it was largely lifted. I think it was the end, end of May, early June, which then resulted yeah. in our big California surge right. in July. Um, I was, at the time, to use a medical term, freaking out of that decision. <laughs> um, I do remember that. Yes. Well, but I remember we were told get three weeks worth of food or something, and then all of the all of the shelves at Costco were bare. There was no toilet paper to be seen. Because toilet paper obviously is a pandemic essential. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, kind of. It's kind of essential. <laughs> it kind of is. But you know, we learned the 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 limits to our I guess our consumer society here when everybody wanted it at the same time. Yeah. And anyway, I also experimented with having my groceries delivered. Because, yeah. you know, didn't want to go out. Well, and here we are, a year later, still year here. Later, still on the show, just once a week now. Leaves a bit more time for, oh, things like jobs and homeschooling and whatnot. And, yeah, and family. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you got? <laughs> Should we do the numbers before yeah, what's we get too far into the weeds here? Yeah. Um, the county still is looking quite good. Um, I just came off of five shifts where I saw exactly zero people um, with COVID, or at least I recognized zero people with COVID, um, nobody with COVID symptoms. And there are currently no people hospitalized in the county with COVID, which is quite remarkable. I don't think we've been at that number since um, late summer, um, perhaps. 
Uh, our total case count is up over 4,000 now, just slightly over 4,000. I'm switching mics here, huh? Um, and our average cases per day bumped up a little bit from last week at 2.4. It's not really clear whether that represents um, anything uh, real or not, or just a little bit of random variation. Our positivity is sitting at 1.7%, so still quite good. California um, cases per 100,000 is the best state in the country, if you can imagine that for the moment. That will probably change, but we are currently 50th per 100,000 people for COVID cases. Wow, I had heard a rumor about that. That's yeah. true? Yeah, that's true. Um, as of, you know, this morning when I looked at the data, um, case counts are down 27% in the state of California over the rolling two-week average. Um, the, the U.S. as a whole actually is trending downward as well now, which is new. We were drifting positive for the last few weeks, but we're down 16% over two weeks um, with about 29% having received um, a full vaccination and 42% receiving at least one shot. Um, but, you know, we are still still dealing with trying to get the vaccine uptake. Um Fun fact, um, the 13 states with the lowest rate of vaccination all went red in the last presidential election. Thank you very much, Donald Trump, for your excellent service in this pandemic. Wow. Yeah. He uh, got the vaccine. Yeah, but he certainly didn't do it publicly, right? Yeah. Um, other vaccine news, J&J &J is back in action. Uh, I'm not sure how much that's going to affect things here in this county, but after a pause and not really seeing a huge surge of these nasty blood clots, um, they have reauthored or re lifted the hold, I guess is the technical um, description, um, with a warning that, you know, you need to watch for headache and uh, signs of blood clots, which I think is reasonable. They picked up a few more cases, but it's still it's still a very rare um, side effect um, of the vaccine. Very serious one, to be sure, but um, on the whole, it's, it's much lower risk to get that particular vaccine than to remain unvaccinated, which is the decision that the people made around that. Um, what else? The, the thing that's causing me concern, um, and because I have to be a little negative, even though we're trying to get people to call in and give money to us, um, is the worldwide curve. Um, we are up 22% over two weeks worldwide. And if you look at the graph for worldwide cases, um, it's, it's a quite a big surge, um, which means that we're going to see ample opportunity still for um, more variants to emerge and ah. the more we learn about these variants the more that we don't like them um so that's kind of scary um uh, we're getting about a million cases a day worldwide right now which just gives enormous evolutionary opportunity for this virus to evolve and uh develop new op new strains that are resistant um to the vaccines um so Stay tuned. Hopefully it doesn't translate to a big surge um, in this country. And so far, all the vaccines, though less effective to most of the um, strains, are still relatively effective, uh, which I think will likely lead so far to preventing a significant surge in this country. But we'll see. You know, new strains will certainly emerge as this continues. So a million cases worldwide a day. I've heard really distressing news coming out of India that they had... 350,000 cases in a day, which was a record. Yeah. So that means that there are, not just India is experiencing 
an explosion of cases, but other countries around the world? South America is uh, on the on the heat map. It's red really? hot as well. Wow. Yeah, and Mexico is Mexico is not actually, uh, but South America is really really quite bad indeed. Um, and then there are actually countries in Europe that are pretty bad as well. Um, you know the the emblem of of lacking uh, or of no um, restriction, Sweden um, has a pretty robust case count as well right really? now. Um, so. We'll see. You know, it just—it's a question of this sort of balance between vaccination rate, vaccine efficacy, and worldwide case counts. So, have you been watching the discussion about the U.S. and and the U.S. role in helping India uh, by lifting the res- restrictions on um, raw materials for the vaccines? Yeah, I mean, I—it I, I, certainly seems like it's in U.S.'s best interest to really be mounting a massive Marshall Plan worldwide um, for control of the pandemic. I mean, the faster that the pandemic is controlled worldwide, the faster we're all going to get through this and the lower the likelihood that we're going to see a recurrent surge in this country with new strain variants. So, yeah, I mean, it makes absolute sense that we put a lot of effort and money into shipping material worldwide. We're not really dealing with acute shortages in this country, and the amount that we have hoarded um, to use a sort of nasty term is is huge um and that really should be um, being loaded onto planes and shipped basically everywhere and that includes the vaccines i mean we have fairly robust vaccine capabilities production capabilities um and we should be shipping particularly uh, the j and j just because that's a one-shot vaccine that's going to work much better in developing countries um, but the others as well as much as it can happen how does the astrazeneca problem compared to the Johnson and Johnson problem like is Johnson and Johnson the numbers of side effects uh, I hate to say the words I'm avoiding it but the blood clots yeah <laughs> so AstraZeneca has really been beleaguered in multiple ways I mean they botched their initial trial um, and then they had all these little problems that have sort of come out one after another over the course of really months at this point um it does How's seem inspire you it doesn't inspire faith or trust in it really yeah i i, I think that's correct um to, you know to say that it's not inspiring faith or trust the the flip side is it really does reveal that these things are being very closely monitored um and yeah True. it's it, it should actually inspire confidence, although I think our natural response is to say, oh, that makes me nervous about getting the J&J or the AstraZeneca because there are all these problems around it. But we're seeing those problems because people are watching these really closely. Um, And so, you know, they both are in general, very, very safe vaccines. Um, They both have problems with causing clotting. Um, But the AstraZeneca, um, you know, has just been more beleaguered because they've had all these other problems. The Johnson & Johnson, however, has also been, you know, sort of tainted, if you will, by production problems at their Baltimore facility. And so that, you know, that also has led to problems with their rollout and deployment and confidence in that vaccine. All right. Anything else on your list? Um, not a lot. There was a study, sort of a analysis, I guess, um, that came out in the New England Journal this past week since the last show, um, looking at um, adverse events in pregnant women who are getting the vaccines. And they so far appear to be quite safe, um, which is good, particularly in the face of increasing data showing that 
pregnant women do less well when they get COVID. Um, so it, it confirms what a lot of providers have been saying and what the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have been recommending, which is get the shot if you're pregnant. All right. Well, shall we talk about the local vaccine events for the week? Yes, let's go for it. All right. So I want to say first that I got a call from Ukiah High School. I guess it was from the Ukiah Unified School District yesterday on my phone. Uh, They were calling to make a vaccine appointment for my son and I. And I was just so excited about that. Now, my son's already vaccinated and so am I. So we, we didn't need to take him up. But the school district is making individual calls for all the families in the school district to get 16 to 18 year old students and their families vaccinated so That's great big props to yeah. you ukiah unified that was awesome so what's happening this week uh your opportunities to get vaccinated so on wednesday the 28th laytonville high school leggett and whitethorn uh, the county is having uh, vaccine events for the Pfizer vaccine. There's a focus on students from 16 to 18 and their families. Again, that's Laytonville, Leggett, and Whitethorn, Wednesday the 28th. Thursday the 29th at the Ukiah Fairgrounds is a second dose Pfizer event for anyone who received their first dose on April 8th. That's Thursday the 29th at the Ukiah Fairgrounds. Friday the 30th at the Ukiah Fairgrounds, there is a Moderna first dose and second dose event for those who received their first dose on March 31st, their first Moderna Moderna dose. Uh, That event is from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Friday the 30th at the Ukiah Fairgrounds, Moderna first dose and Moderna second dose. And on Saturday, May 1st, there is a large vaccine event at the Ukiah High School. For Pfizer shots, that's for students 16 to 18 and their families. Well, I mean students 16 to however old they are. <laughs> you know what 16 I mean. 16 to infinity. Yes, yes, exactly. And their families. That's on Saturday, May 1st. And I imagine that you can call the school district to make an appointment for that. Um, community clinics are also continuing with their vaccination efforts. It's mostly by invitation, but it's not restricted to clinic patients. So you can call these clinics and get on their vaccine list. And when they have vaccines available, they will uh, get you in. MCHC, according to Dr. Uh, Corin on Friday, they, they've been doing Johnson & Johnson vaccines. And so they've been on pause, but he was anticipating that the pause would be stopped and that they'll be starting offering their vaccines again. Um, and But they are, are also offering vaccines as part of their clinic appointments. So you can go in and get an appointment for that. Um, today, our CMS is offering first dose Pfizer. So that's uh, Redwood Coast Medical Services in... Is that still ongoing today? Walala. Uh, all I knew is that it's today. Okay. Um, I figure it's by invitation, so the people who, people. who needed to be there were contacted. Um, at Long Valley Health Center in Laytonville, uh, they are offering appointments regularly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So that's for Laytonvillans up there in North County. You can go to Long Valley Health Center on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, the 29th, on Thursday the 29th, Anderson Valley Health Center is offering first and second dose Moderna vaccine you gotta be in touch with them for an appointment about that friday the 30th uh, bechtel creek clinic in willits is they have second dose pfizer shots and that again is by appointment and friday the 30th mendocino coast clinics has moderna vaccine available call for an appointment and that is 
1251. Bottom line, it's easy to get a vaccine in this county now. It's available. Yep. And now that they're really reaching out to families, I think, you know, we might see that that graph continue to go up. I hope. I mean, we have a very high vaccination rate in this county um, for certain. So it's it's good that we're still having these events and that people are still showing up for them. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll get up into the 80 percent tile um, over the course of the next month. That would be fantastic. The more people get vaccinated, the safer we're all going to be. And it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's really quite remarkable that there are no hospitalized patients in this county right now with COVID. That bespeaks how well wow. this vaccine works. You people, did say that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people people might be, be still getting COVID even if they're vaccinated, but they're not getting sick. They're not going on a ventilator. They're not, you know, dying from it in this county right now, which is just really fantastic. I think it's going to be a busy summer. A busy summer? Yeah. I mean, just this weekend, there were two protests, a memorial all outside. And then I went to a backyard campfire sing-along. Probably the last weekend we can do that. But, I mean... I was like exhausted by the end of the weekend getting to, I haven't seen this many people in 14 months. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so yeah. And everybody's really still conscientious about mask wearing and social distancing and things, but it's so nice to see people. Yeah. And, and not have a sense of doom when you do. Right? No, it's joy, yeah. especially with the rain that happened. I know a little rain even bizarre. So we have a, I have an emailed question from a listener. Um, who is immune suppressed, getting chemotherapy, um, and at the suggestion of her oncologists um, or his oncologists, we uh, the patient got a antibody test um, to see if they were mounting a response after getting um, both doses of, in this case, the Moderna vaccine. That test came back negative, uh, which shows that they are perhaps not mounting any response or should be safely presumed that they're not. Person's on ongoing chemotherapy, and it really does bespeak the fact that immune-suppressed people, and I'm talking about people who are on chemotherapy or have a diagnosed immune disorder that's significant, um, are still vulnerable even after being vaccinated. And we've been really seeing more data around that over the course of the last uh, three to four to five weeks. Um, so this person's question um, is, do I think antibodies could develop in the future? The answer to that is probably no, not while there's ongoing uh, chemotherapy. Um, and so it's it's not definite, um, but that's probably the right answer. Um, it's certainly the right presumption to make in terms of guiding one's actions. Um, you know, repeat dosing of the vaccine might be warranted, particularly if a booster comes out, that would be a very good idea. Those are complex questions that should probably be discussed with your oncologist and primary doctor. Um, the second question is the person is confused about masking uh, around close friends. Um, if I wear a mask is the query and they don't and I keep six feet away, does that protect me at all? The answer is yes, um, but if seen as you are immune naive to COVID um, and at pretty increased risk of doing poorly from 
um, from an illness for COVID, um, I would certainly encourage your friends to mask up when they are around you. Certainly stay outside and certainly stay the six-foot distance. Your mask affords some protection, um, but it would be much more um, effective if the cohort of people you're around are also masked. And, you know, friends should certainly recognize that you're vulnerable and quite willingly do so. Um, but the six-foot outdoor um, buffer uh, is, is also quite protective. And so, you know, as long as you say six feet or if you want to be an overachiever and double that to 10 or 12, um, that would be um, a very good idea. Then you can have walkie-talkies to talk to each other. It's not that hard to talk from <laughs> 10 feet away. All right. The phones are lighting up. Uh, let's give the on-air phone number. 895-2448 is the number to call in with your COVID questions. This is the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales. We'll take our first call. Hey, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, I was wondering um, what the information is that we know regarding the this double mutant um, viral spread in India, and I'm going to hang up now. Yeah, so there, there is, I mean, these mutations that we've been talking about, whether it's, you know, the, the 117 or the EEC 484 or the P1 Brazilian variant or the couple of Californian variants, although we're not really supposed to refer to them as their country of detection because that seems unfair to those regions. Um, they all actually have multiple mutations. Um, it's not just one single mutation. And so when you refer to a double mutation in India, it it's not really different from some of these other strains in terms of what's happened in the viral um, genome. What it is almost certainly doing is contributing to the surge that we've been seeing in India, um, much like some of these variants led to a surge in Brazil or South Africa. I also think that it's contributing to these breakthrough cases that we're seeing in the U.S. because we know that these strains are you know, able to evade some of the protections afforded by the vaccine. Um, they're just, the vaccines are less effective against a couple of these strains, particularly the P1 uh, strain coming out of Brazil. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's unfortunately the reality that India is confronting and that we're all confronting since this virus just is bouncing around the world and will continue to do so, particularly as travel restrictions are relaxed and we go out and about more and more. You know, people will will still get asymptomatic COVID and carry it from place to place. And those um, strains are going to really become distributed eventually uh, worldwide. You can, you can think of COVID as, you know, sugar dissolving in a quart of water. Eventually it'll be evenly distributed if you give it enough time. All right, let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, good. Um, I'm calling because I need to find out about clinics over here on the coast. Um, my my wife and I are both vaccinated, and so is the rest of the family. But my son just got back from Japan, and we're trying to figure out how to get him vaccinated. I had all that info when I needed it, but now, now I need it for him. Right. So Mendocino Coast Clinics is doing pretty regular vaccinations, and you can call for an appointment. Do you want the number? Um, yes, please. That would be great. 964-1251. And one, two, five, one. And, you know, I, I looked online and it said they're doing, you know, 
certain clients only, kind of. And he's been out of the country for two years. Yeah, <laughs> so, so he's uh, not on there. If if he's hand if he's nearby, you know, they are having an event at at RCMS today. Is is what I think you said, Alicia? Yeah, he might even just go down there and see if they have an extra shot or two, because oftentimes they end up with a few extra doses and yeah, they're scrambling. Yeah, that's how I got my first one. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, great. I'll give him a call right now. Thank you. <laughs> All, right. All right. Good luck with that. Let us know. I, 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 I hesitate. I hesitate to encourage people to sort of linger around vaccine events, but now. Now that the vaccine is so much more widely available, um, it, it's not unreasonable to sort of be hanging around the margins of one, if particularly if you've just come back into the country after right. years there, abroad. There's a couple of them in Ukiah at the fairgrounds. There's one on Thursday and one on, on Friday. Yeah. You can also go to MendocinoCounty.org, and they've got not only the events listed, but they have a button for sign-ups there. So uh, you can go ahead and, and just do that. But I, I don't think with those large events, the county events, I think it's perfectly acceptable to walk into those. Uh, with the clinic ones, though, I'm sure that they would prefer that you call first. <laughs> and they are saying that they're not restricted to clinic patients. So even if he's been out of the country, it's possible that he can still uh, make, make an appointment and, and get in for a vaccination. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, I'm really hopeful about the hepatitis B vaccination coming into the future as a COVID vaccination. I had absolutely zero reactions to the three doses. Uh, what I'm concerned about and I'm calling today is that um, no vaccination, no work. You can't go anywhere. Uh, and get a job today if you're unvaccinated. That's the first question that they ask you. And of course, they're, you know, they're private um, places. Uh, you know, they have the right to say that. But, um, you know, everybody's still masked. Uh, we're trying to keep distances. Uh, you know, all the places that are saying no work. No vaccination, no work, are still maintaining distances and, and, and uh, wearing masks. So why are they denying people work? It's serious. Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, the, the national dialogue on this has, you know, back in the fall, there was considerable discussion as to whether the vaccine, when it became available, if it became available, would be mandatory or not. Um, the policy around that has backed away from any mandate. Um, that's not even really in the in the discussion pool anymore. Um, and even places of work. I mean, you you relate that places are not hiring unless you say you're vaccinated or perhaps prove you're vaccinated. I haven't been seeing a lot of that, actually. Um, I don't think any big companies are requiring vaccination. Even hospitals aren't requiring that their employees um, be vaccinated um, for you know multiple reasons. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with the policy um, as a public health policy, but it certainly makes sense as a business policy to not rely or require vaccination. And the reason being, as you rightly point out, if you mask up and you do all of the things that you're supposed to do um, to uh, prevent transmission or minimize risk of transmission of COVID, then whether you're vaccinated or not um, shouldn't really become dispositive. However, um, it certainly would be best if everybody simply across the board were vaccinated, uh, mandate or not. 
it's just that there's going to be considerable pushback the moment you make this a requirement and that would just sort of galvanize the vaccine hesitant um, or the anti-vaxxers if you will in a way that would be counterproductive and that's I think why we've backed away from any talk of mandate. Yeah I mean if they can't mandate it in a hospital right uh, you know and and uh, it's funny how I have uh, people coming up let's say I'm in my car they come up to my window and want to give me a kiss almost uh, Sounds uh, terrible. Yeah. Where is I've this been going on? And it's like, <laughs> please back up. Please. Uh, you know, uh, you know, or they, uh, you're, you're, there's a plastic shield between you, but of course, everything else around it is open. Like you're having a conversation, and they take their mask off. You know, yeah. uh, they're comfortable talking. And, you know, I've been vaccinated, and you know. <laughs> Whoa! Okay. <laughs> to keep people from earning a living. Yeah, that. And this is this is this is ninety percent. Ninety percent of the people that that I have come in contact with have that rule: no vaccination, no work. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well, thanks thank for the call, you. caller. It's an interesting sort of. Um, Paradox, you know, the, the large portion of the population that doesn't want to get vaccinated also doesn't want to have, you know, any precautions put in place. So you have this sort of people cohort of people who are rejecting the vaccine or at least holding off on getting vaccinated, but also don't want to keep any shelter in place, social distancing or masking, which you know, it really bespeaks to how um, sort of far off the rails we went on the national dialogue on this for the first year of the pandemic. Um, and then we're still just dealing with that fallout. Yeah. And I remember traveling internationally a couple decades ago and you were required to get a series of shots to travel. Oh, yeah, the yellow vaccine card. Yeah, yes. this yeah. isn't like anything new or, or a new level of tyranny. No. It's just what what we've always done. Yeah, and you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, most or pretty much every healthcare institution or setting required an annual flu shot. Um, that was mandatory, and if you did not get your annual flu shot, then you had to wear a mask all year during flu season. In this case, we're all wearing a mask all the time anyway. We know that the masks work, so should it be mandatory? You know, it's it's a it's a tough question. Um, but the the solution for flu was you know wear a mask if you're going to be mm -hmm. a you know if you're going to not get the flu vaccine. Um, and so we're kind of in the same point, in the same situation with COVID. Well, and do you know when the FDA is going to be able to approve the vaccine? I mean, I know it's under emergency approval now, but once it gets kind of the mainstream level of approval... I, it, that seems more of a bureaucratic question at this point, seeing as we've had over 100 million doses administered um, of the vaccines to say that it's only emergency use authorization rather than full authorization. I don't really know how that translates to anything um, that's going to affect anybody um, in any real way. All right. Let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. No. No, you're not. Caller, are you there? Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh. Can you turn your radio off, please, caller? And you are live. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, so I was just listening to the last caller, and 
I've been trying to organize an event um, that's now been pushed back to Labor Day. So I'd love to get some opinions on what um, the doctor thinks about what's going to happen after June 15th as far as events. And this is an outdoor event, and it's already using less than the capacity of the venue. But a couple of things that I'm running into is that insurance policies, and particularly these event insurance policies, are dropping sickness from being covered. And so there's this big debate on liability, you know, and um, one person described it as, you know, asking your employees to be vaccinated is almost like a welder having to wear safety equipment. It's part of the safety of the job. And so I just wanted to throw that in there. But my main question is, is what do you think is going to happen after June 15th for events? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if continue, if vaccine rates continue um, in the in the general direction that we're seeing um, and we don't reach a premature plateau, um, and again, presuming that these strains don't somehow explode with a massive end run around the protections afforded by the vaccines, and we're really not seeing that yet, um, I think by the summer, outdoor events are going to be quite safe and fairly widespread. Um, hopefully, I prove to be right there, um, but it's you know it's it's an open question um, as to whether um, we you know, whether we, we get there or not. I mean, as we've learned over and over again, things can get pretty bad pretty fast. But the trends are pointing toward a fairly free and open outdoor summer. Um, the insurance question is an interesting problem. I mean, it really is a, 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 a fraught issue. Um, there will be lawyers, um, you know, and so it's, it's problematic uh, for multiple reasons. It's not quite clear to me whether, you know, Events, uh, outdoor events um, that end up being mini or mass spreader events for COVID, uh, should be held liable for for those you know those outbreaks, um, presuming that the proper precautions were taken. Um, but that's that's an issue, and those are laws that have not really been passed. What has been a point of discussion and has been a continued um, you know national um, political debate is whether. Um, businesses should be exempt from any liability. And, you know, this country has a long history of protecting business interests over labor interests. So it's not, you know, surprising which side of that debate I come down on. But for events, social events or other type of events outdoors, liability is really, it's, it's going to continue to be a fraught issue. Um, and I think we're at the mercy of the insurance carriers uh, more than anything else. Well, thanks for your insight. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for the call. 895-2448 is the on-air studio line here. 895-2448. We have open lines right now. It's great to get so much positive feedback uh, from the community on the show. Um, it's It's been a long, strange year for certain. Um, and the, the good news is I think the show will be limited in its duration. At some point, we'll be able to move away from the You think there's weekly. a little... Dawn it, it, on the it's got to happen. <laughs> happen. It sometime. does have to yeah. happen sometime. Yeah. I know, but what about coming on for a regular show of your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's an ongoing discussion we'll have off the air, Alicia. Oh, okay. Well, I just thought maybe their callers <laughs> might have an opinion about that, too. Um, hey, caller, you're live on the air. Thank you. Putting you on the spot. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, caller. <laughs> uh, 
Hi. I do work uh, in people's homes, and one of my clients is the couple are non-believers. And I'm just wondering the best way to protect myself when I work in that environment, you know, short of just saying, sorry, not going to work for you ever again. Um, when I went there this last weekend, I wore an N95 and a cloth mask over that. Um, how much, prote- and I'm, I've had both my shots. Yeah, so what else can I do? What's the best way for me to protect myself when I have to work in, in their home? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're doing the right things. You're double masking. Um, the only other thing I would suggest, if it's at all possible, is to make certain that there's adequate ventilation when you're in that house um, household. Um, but the fact that yeah, you I are... Yeah, I can't do that. Okay. Well, then, you know, the fact that you're double vaccinated um, affords you um, fairly considerable protection from, you know, more significant illness. Um you know, it, it's, it's painful to, you know, hear that they are, quote, non-believers. And I don't know if you refer to their being non-believers of the pandemic um, or of the vaccines. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, I guess my question would be for you is whether you trust them enough to tell you whether they are sick or not. Because you certainly don't want to be going into their house if one of them has any symptoms whatsoever um and that sort of screening question before you show up and go in is one that i would i would insist upon um frankly if you're trying to really minimize your risk but your absolute risk um particularly being double masked and you know presuming you wash your hands on your way out um is quite low indeed the one thing i was wondering i do have a a bottle of you know the foaming antiseptic for the hands Mm -hmm. Is that something that I understand that hand washing is more effective than that, but to be honest, I don't want to use their restroom. I don't want to be going into other parts of the house. It's enough that I sit at my desk there and do my work. Yeah, no, the the, the alcohol, um, as long as it's 70% isopropyl, uh, works quite well against COVID. Um, so you don't, you don't need soap and water. The alcohol is a good adjunct. You just stick it in your car and, you know, alcohol up on your way out. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. And you know, stay on them. Get them to get them to become believers. We all we all need to believe. We need COVID religion um, locally and nationally uh, for certain. So, you know, chip away at them, will you? I wish I could, but they have a certain level of uh, paranoia and conspiracy theory beliefs, and yeah, they're over hard. seventy. I'm not going to touch that. Okay. <laughs> you can subtly leave KZYX on on the radio in the background. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, thanks for your thanks call. Thanks for the call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hmm. Weird. Oh, yeah, okay. there's a gremlin in the really? switchboard. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I wanted to say that I don't think that a vaccine is similar in any way to a mask or what have you. So, you know, Wearing your gloves and wearing a mask and staying six feet is so great. But to say that a vaccine is something that you're going to inject in your body, mm. and especially it's not FDA approved as of yet. And yes, millions of people have done it. And that's, that's up to everyone to make a choice. But to say, mm, it just seems kind of strange to... Well, just yeah. to be clear, vaccines have saved 
hundreds of millions of lives around the world. So I'm not quite sure what your hesitation is around the vaccine um, as a form well, of injection. Well, the vaccine hasn't been, there's no long-term, we have no long-term effects of what this will do. Well, then, we have, with, we have, you know, we have the, uh, eight months of data at this point. things that are happening. Yeah, I, You I, know, whatever, the variations that are on the theme, it's like, yeah. so anyway, I just, it's kind of scary to me to think that you would equate something that you would put in your body with something that you would put on your body. Yeah. On your body's cool. Keep your hands clean. Keep gloves on. Mask up. Stay away. But yeah, it's a know, false dichotomy that you're drawing. In your body, that's, it, no, that's a false. That's a false dichotomy that you're drawing. It, there, we are putting things in our body every single second that we are alive. Just to be clear, um, microbes, germs, bacteria, viruses, fungi are constantly. Indeed, where things live in your eyebrows. Constantly <laughs> entering our body. Um, you know, we've been using medications for hundreds of years, thousands of years, um, and generally they work quite well. So the notion of the purity of our body needing to be protected as a reason not to get vaccinated just doesn't wash with me at all. But perhaps, you know, perhaps there can be another show um, that talks about, you know, the, the, the temple of our bodies and why we shouldn't do anything to protect our overall health. That's not this show. I am allopathic as all get out, and I've been following the science on this. Well, I do appreciate your time, and I do appreciate the show and KZYX. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the call. It's always good to hear other perspectives. Okay, bye-bye. It is. Bye-bye. And I also think what I heard you compare them to was kind of this, this that you could use masks and the other non-pharmacological interventions and that, you, and that you could be protected from that, right? But not that you weren't equating. I'm not, well... I'm not saying they're the same. I mean, obviously, we want to do as much as we can across all options to control the pandemic. Um, masking and hand washing work. We also now have vaccines, which really work um, at preventing severe illness. And so, you know, I, I'm vaccinated. I'm still masked up. I'm still washing my hands and doing everything to prevent transmission. Um, it's not as though we can not do the COVID things even once we are vaccinated. It just does afford a considerable degree of protection against severe illness. They're not the same, obviously. I mean, a shot is a shot. Uh, you know, a medication is a medication and a mask is not. You know, and as we've learned, particularly looking at the J&J, &J, they all do carry very small, slight risks. What's the, ri the risk ratio? You know, the ratio, the risk of getting severe COVID is pretty high and the more we learn about long covid the more scary it gets and we're even now seeing you know long covid symptoms in kids um and more data around that and so you know it's it's a nasty illness um and the vaccine while not 100 percent safe is so much safer than the illness um that it's it, you know it's an easy question for me but you know there's there's just a lot of resistance um some of it is the paranoiacs um you know um that we heard about from the previous caller um and some of it's just reluctance to get a shot uh, with some notion that somehow it's going to affect us in a in a dangerous way and it it may but you know the overall risk is you know maybe one person in this county is going to have a very serious reaction to the shot um which is not to be taken lightly but it's still you know, it's still an equation that augurs for a vaccination. 
And we seem to be doing a very good job in this county getting that vaccination to people, which is kind of amazing. I know, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, hello, hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, yes. Um, I'd like to make a couple comments. Um, I know that in the past people had vaccinated their children to go to school and things like that, but it was never a mandated by law. And uh, this is not a mandated by law that we get the COVID-19 uh, vaccination, and I just wish that people would stop trying to scare people into taking the vaccine. And another comment I'd like to say is that is that the vaccine has uh, the cells from aborted babies. So there you go. Hmm. Why do we want to take something from an aborted child? <laughs> that, an abortion? Is, that is not that's not the case that's that's uh, simply incorrect these vaccines had nothing to do with um you know aborted babies as the caller puts it um or even stem cell um derived products um so that's not correct um and you know talking about fake news around the vaccines it's it's amazing how prevalent uh, the notion that this vaccine is going to change one's DNA is um, amongst um, amongst you know, alternative news sources, shall we say. Um, and it really has a significant hold in a minority of people, even in this county, that somehow this vaccine, simply because it has the word RNA in it, um, is somehow going to alter our DNA. Um, that's completely fallacious. Uh, I think we have time for one more call. You want to try it? Sure. Let's see if we can take the fastest call ever. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. You have about a minute. Oh, cool. Hey, all I want to say is when people say they don't want the vaccine and that kind of thing, I just tell them that, you know, nothing's perfect. Are you perfect? Nothing's perfect. Yeah, it's a good point, and you know, I, I think I've been. Yeah, I, you know, I, nothing is perfect. I, I, so whatever happens, you know, just go for it. You know. Well, it's. Yeah, I mean, there's too many people there just cowering in the corner all the time. You know. <laughs> Well, I, I, I think a lot of the anxiety around the vaccine is well-founded. I mean, it's just, you know, as the, as you yeah. point out rightly, everything has risks. I talked to people about the polio. I remember polio. That was the first vaccine, you know, I ever got when I was, whatever, six or seven years old, you know. And my friend's mom had polio walking around on, the, on with crutches. And, yeah. and uh, well, the president, <laughs> Yeah. No, and, well, it was, you know, back you know, then there was like, much greater uptake. Smallpox and whatever, man. It's yeah. like, boy. No, I mean, vaccines are quite safe. I've been a proponent. I mean, we're seeing... Hey, uh, hey, hey, how do you feel like being such a personality now, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd rather go <laughs> back to my anonymous think, self, thank you. This is a doctor who does not have a, an internet presence until, uh, until this <laughs> show. So it's, yeah, yeah I, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, caller, thanks for the, thanks for okay, the question. Bye. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a good point. I mean, I, it, there are obviously risks with everything, and one thing that we certainly know is there is considerable risk as we're putting looking at you know 550,000 U.S. deaths um, to COVID, um, and there's also oh, a fair man. amount of uh, morbidity um, around COVID. Um, the COVID long haulers are only starting to you know we're only starting to understand that and define it and know how to manage it. That's really scary. There are a lot of people who have long long-term effects. 
from from that. So even if you think you're not going to die from COVID, which most of us will not, obviously, um, getting COVID is still something that should best be avoided. And the best way to do that, besides the masking and the distancing and the outdoors and staying home, is to get the bloody shot. All right. On that note... All right. We're going to wrap it up for this week. Yes. Uh, this has been the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax. I'm Alicia Bales, and thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.